Hello and welcome to A Story at Midnight. The tale this evening is called Annie's Apple, was written and is narrated by John Sissons. Do enjoy and sleep well. Annie's Apple After a long wait, the coded message I wanted to hear came through to my headset. It began with a dit da da. I wrote a W. Then a dit, the letter E. Next a dit da did dit, an L. Followed by another L. Five seconds of silence announced a new word was coming from the signaler, the scout leader. The message read, Well done, Joe. You have passed. After the meeting, I raced home on my bike to show Dad my pristine signals pad. He was chuffed. During World War II, he had qualified as a high-grade cipher operator in the Royal Signals. He lent me his defunct telegraph key to practice sending messages, but I was not allowed to take the machine out of the house. So my mate Rob, who had also passed his signaler test, and I invented a new way of using Morse code to send dispatches. But the skill got me into serious trouble with the vicar of our church. A month previous, we'd joined the choir. Earning some pocket money for attending services and choir practice was a big incentive. Another motive was that Rob and I were sweet on Annie, the minister's daughter, and her friend Rosie. They helped with the Sunday school, and after the services, Rob and I hung about by the church gate in the hope of catching their eye. We did enjoy singing hymns, especially at the festivals of Harvest and Christmas. It gave us a chance to show off to the girls of the Sunday school class, joined the congregation, and sat in the front row of the pews. Even so, the spoken word was a big problem for us. It was monotonous, especially the lengthy sermons from Annie's father. We often played an in-church game to relieve the boredom. It involved gambling our choir money. As the minister climbed the steps of the pulpit, we each popped a polo mint into our mouths, and there we tried to keep it intact until the end of the homily. As the vicar came down the steps, we stuck out our tongues to reveal what was left of the sweet. The bet was that we could keep the polo to, to remain as an unbroken ring for a week's pay. Unfortunately for me, I'd lost too much money and I wished for a new distraction. Our signalling method was just what I needed. When the vicar was spouting from the pulpit, we passed silent messages using our eyes. A wink was a dot, and a blink was a dash. Eyes closed for the count of five marked the end of a word. It was the Sunday of Harvest Festival. This year was bountiful. Fruit and veg adorned every ledge of the windows, the altar, the font, everywhere. I half expected the church warden, who was a greengrocer, to turn up wearing a boater and a striped apron. 
The vicar was in full flow. I saw Annie whispering to Rosie, and I wondered, would I ever enjoy her whispering into my ear like that? The front of my choir stall was decorated with a line of large apples. Rob's pew, opposite mine, was edged with spuds. A signal was winked and blinked to me. I wrote it down in the back of my hymn book. Roll an apple over to me, was Rob's message. I reached around the front of my pew with my left hand and grabbed a Granny Smith. I knew that it was a cooker. Rob had a wide grin on his face. I thought, Robbie, when you dig your teeth into this one, you're going to get a big surprise. He stuck a big mitt out of the pew end, like a goalie ready to save a penalty. Suddenly, I became nervous. I was right-handed, but had to use my left. The roll needed to be done with great care. As I hesitated, Rob flicked his fingers with a come on gesture. I swung my arm back, then forward, and let the granny roll out of my open palm. To my horror, it spun away from Rob, wobbled down the chancel, and into the nave. Worse still, it came to rest by the side of Annie. She reached forward to pick it up right under her father's nose. My body trembled with fear. The parson's voice bellowed from the pulpit. It could have been God himself. Annie, leave it. Rob and I dived for cover under our pews. Then the deity hurled a directive at the choir stalls. Boys, I will not tolerate such wicked behaviour. You will wait for me in the vestry after the service. Annie was crying. Her father looked back to her and in a soft and apologetic voice said, I am sorry, my child. And after a thoughtful pause, he continued, I think once in the lifetime of mankind is quite enough. After the blessing, we processed with grim faces past the solemn congregation and entered the vestry. The choirmaster told us not to disrobe, but to sit in silence and wait for the vicar. This, I thought, is what it would be like on Judgment Day. My destiny sealed. I am to be cast onto the left side with the many goats. Suddenly, the massive body of the reverend filled the doorway. Who rolled the apple? He growled. We all bowed our heads. Mr. Nobody, eh? Then he pointed an accusing finger at me. It had to be you, Joseph he said. None of the other boys could have reached the fruit, and there are only apples on your side of the chancel. Uh, yes, sir, it, it was me. I, I'm very sorry. 
I admitted in the humblest voice I could muster. Very well, the vicar pronounced. As punishment, you will be docked one week of your wages. Then after a thoughtful pause, he continued. And on the subject of wayward behaviour, I don't want to see you boys hanging about at the church gate after the services. Is that clear? Yes, sir. We collectively mumbled into our cassocks. As we left the vestry, Rob joked, Pity about the apple. I was looking forward to eating it on the way home. Yeah, a real shame that, he scoffed. I would have enjoyed watching you eat, Granny Smith. Anyway, it's okay for you, Rob. I've lost another week's money and blown any chance of courting Annie. Reluctantly, I went to the midweek choir practice. I was hard up and I also owed my attendance to our choir master who had kept out of my clash with Annie's father. As I leant my bike against the church wall, I thought I saw a figure dash behind a gravestone. Anyway, I nervously entered the nave. Agreeably, the vicar was not there inside, and neither was Rob. Without him, though, my singing lacked its usual gusto. When I came out of the church, Rob was sitting on the wall next to the gate. What's up with you? I asked him. Nothing, just didn't fancy practice, he said. Ah, you didn't need the money more like, I chided. He slipped off the wall and ran to my bike. Look, that's odd, he said. There's an apple on the seat of your bike. He picked up the Granny Smith and gave it to me. Is this some kind of joke, Rob? No, mate, honest. And I didn't see anyone put it there. Hey, Joe, look, there's a roll of paper stuck in the core. I pulled it out and silently interpreted the message. Joe, I am really sorry for the way my dad shouted at you in church. It was very romantic of you to send me an apple. Can we meet next Saturday afternoon down on the wreck? Please be there, Annie. My heart skipped a couple of beats. Here, Rob. Read this. After staring at the unfolded paper for a while, he exclaimed, It's in Morse code! He scanned the note again and handed it back. You jammy devil, he sneered. Then he pleaded, Will you ask Annie to bring Rosie for me? I laughed and laughed and then retorted, Okay, but it's going to cost you a week's wages. 
edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith. A Story at Midnight was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.